Welcome to Get the Goat Podcast. This is Get the Goat Podcast. Stories and lives. What we do, how we do it, and why we do it. This is Get the Goat Podcast. Welcome to the goat. Let's get the goat. This is John Mark Selig. I'm hanging out here with Robert Prechtel. Uh, and you know, it's funny, we actually recorded a podcast two months ago. Maybe longer. It might have been longer than that. So we had to reduce this thing down a little bit because the main goal of this was to promote the cycle effect event that we're having at GOAT Training. So next week, which is April 18th, we're going to actually have a fundraiser at the at the good old goat in Edwards and we we did it last year and it was an it was a it was a blast I mean I don't think I really had any idea how hard it was going to be but we were trying to figure out a way to promote cycle effect which is a local nonprofit here in town and we were trying to figure out a way to not only raise some money for them but also raise some awareness about what they do And so we had a 20-minute team workout on these bike ergs. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. No, Uh, it's not fun. I I mean, it's I mean, it was was painful, (laughs) but watching everybody suffer was quite enjoyable. It's definitely a lot more fun to suffer with others. And so, so we're having the event again this year. And so we thought, you know what? we're doing this podcast thing and what a perfect way to go ahead and um, kick this whole podcast off with Brett Donaldson. Then we decided, you know what, that's just silly. Let's wait to actually release this podcast until we get closer to the event. And so um, we pulled some snippets out of this. And and to be honest, there was this moment of about 20 minutes that we wanted to pull from this podcast that were, it just really helped us grasp the beginning of how it started where it was going and i'm so glad that you guys aren't going to be able to hear the other side of the this podcast yeah, the, <laughs> i'm excited because it really brought the idea of the cycle effect and the people involved yeah. into focus yeah which and especially because we can talk about fun you know fundraising we can talk about goat being called you know this place that's going to raise money but really hearing the lives and the stories of the people that are affected by this organization, organization, organization. I guess I was going to say, yeah. Uh, and, and actually hearing where they've come from and where they're going. It's so much better when it's heard through the lens of these girls and how it started from this very small kind of organic group of girls and then has now grown to something pretty special. So we had these two eighth graders, Coco and Rita in their first year. And they're kind of legendary in our organization because they, they literally were pioneers and they started it. They were like the two Hispanic girls that said, I'm going to embrace this sport. So Rita is the first one to race in the high school mountain bike league. Um, I think Coco got injured or something like that. So she didn't. And uh, I recommended Rita for an award. Um, so there's the Colorado High School League and then there's the national governing body called NICA, National Interscholastic Cycling Association. And so they give out season end awards at the cliff bar headquarters in san francisco so rita wins this i think it was a leadership award or something and i simply just said because of this girl we got 50 other girls that are now racing in our program and maybe 10 or 12 that have joined the league because this one girl did it and broke down a barrier so she got out to um this award and she was trying to go to a certain scott uh college that she didn't have the money for and we 
kind of had a partnership with another scholarship organization. We said, hey, we can come up with this much. What can you come up with? Okay, then there's still this hole. And we didn't know how to solve that issue. So Rita wins this award. She gets up, gives a speech, gets a standing ovation. We get a call the next day from a woman in Minnesota and said, I want to send that girl to college. How do I do it? I'm crying. I mean, yeah, Rita, like, <laughs> and, 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 Rita sorry, is go ahead. the special sauce. I mean, and how... How serendipitous and wonderful for your organization that your first two at-bats, you know, Rita and Coco, are grand slams. Like, those girls are excellent ambassadors. They are they are the dream. Like, you take a girl from um, less than ideal socioeconomic background, you know, both of them are DACA kids, and Rita now graduated college. Rita has a great job. Like, she went eighth grade through the program, through college. And she can still go out and carry the torch for the program. And and when she speaks, there is not it's, a dry it's, she's eye. She's pretty amazing. She literally she's gets up. She, uh, somebody else in the community had her speak, and they told her, they said, Rita, you're speaking to some of the most influential people in the Valley. Are you ready? And Rita's like, yeah. And, 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 and this woman <laughs> goes, are you sure? So they, put, they had these tables around in a circle, and Rita's just sitting there, like, kind of playing on her phone in a way. And they're like, okay, Rita's going to speak. She just, like crawls underneath the table into the middle of the room and nails it. No phone, no not, uh, no notes. She just crushes it. And so she was kind of like the first spark. And then, you know, Coco um, became a huge ambassador to us for younger girls in the last couple of years. I mean, she's now working with an immigration lawyer, um, you know, passionate. She That's what she loves is to help, you know, her people with immigration and stuff like that. So it's really, go ahead. Just if, if you need, it'd be better to get Rita on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If, I'll just bring in Rita. Bring those two girls here. Let, yeah. Let's wrap this up. And then, and then after that, two. because they did that, we had a young woman named Abby who said, hey, I want to go to nationals. I said, great. So she kind of broke a barrier of an athletic standpoint of like, we're not just going to be the bad news bears. We can have some girls race fast. Now we're actually getting girls that are racing legitimately fast at a state level. And then we, you know, we worked with 100 about 125 girls this year. Next year, we're planning on 175 girls between Eagle and Summit County. So, so those three girls really broke down a ton of barriers. And I can't wait to see who that next girl is that says, because those three or four girls did that, I want to do this, you know, whatever that next step is. What, what was you and Tam's relationship with Rita? Were you guys like, this girl's an influential girl. We need to rally around her. Like, At that point, you didn't know. She was literally all we were grasping. You know, though, though, that group of, there was, there was more, but like that core group of like four or five that stuck with us for more than two years, I realized, oh my God, we got to make sure we hold on to these girls. You started with Els Angels. Yep. You started with like twelve girls. It, it, it was ten girls, and 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 then uh, the happened next... to have this precocious eighth grader and her yep. level-headed best friend. Yep. Yeah, so it was super lucky that you know that the Youth Foundation basically dictated what girls got into our program. I said, hey, we, we want girls. They kind of gave us their you know their quote unquote rock star like the pro the girls that show up to programs a lot, and they were the two eighth graders that really stuck with it. All the older girls, there were a couple of older girls, you know, a couple others that are successful working at businesses around here that I see regularly. Um, but those two were the kind of the leader, the young leaders of the team, um, and so we still talk about them and, and we do. It's true for any of our girls. Obviously, they're the oldest, so we've known them the longest, but we'd do anything for them. I mean, they can walk into our office and say, hey, I need this, or I need this relationship, or blah, blah, blah. And we're like, absolutely. I'll do anything I can for you. 
so we've got this this disconnect in the valley where you've got a very wealthy group of people and the people that come to goat for the most part um for the they're most like part Robbie. they they are fine i mean they're financially wealthy on the world on the world scale yes um and so then you've got goat and i was just thinking about it earlier today um for christmas we're doing an adopt a family program where we're trying to work with all these how hard is it to get because we are truly disconnected and we're just doing this adopt a family for christmas to where we can give presents to people that are in need it is a very small small thing and it was awesome to see how many people part of our gym that were wanting to be a part of it and giving presents and getting walmart gift cards for people that are in need but what how hard is that connection going from we're not just people wanting that are wealthy people wanting to help you to we are connected like how is it was it a hard bridge to gap it wasn't i don't think it was for us because i came from a ski gap to bridge gap to bridge or bridge bridge to, bridge to gap to river to get, cross it's a bridge under the water we'll burn that Let's bridge when we it. get to it <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't think it was because of my ski racing background. So I worked with these girls that's in ski racing 12, 12 months a year. I was with them six days, a, uh, six days a week. I would go to Europe with them for four weeks at a time. I mean, we were tight. So that was the expectation I went into with this program. And then, so sorry, I was, that was ski racing. And then when I was personal training, you know, I was teaching people how to do bicep curls like once a week you know i mean it was just a different atmosphere and i loved it which is my favorite movement exactly i know you look amazing when you do it thank you Um, you lift heavy boxes really well yes uh so i when i when we created this program we wanted to um create that atmosphere of an athlete instead of like an experience like i talked about so we immediately said what do we have to do to create a long-term tight relationship with these kids because that's what we think is going to be the biggest impact so instead of working with like we're not treating you as anybody else but you're an athlete that's what we tried yeah and it worked a little bit for a couple and for others we had to say so yes that's what happened and that's i think what worked and that's what the girls enjoy but we also a couple years ago made a huge shift in our staff and our personnel and our mentality on the program where we didn't need bike coaches. These girls don't need bike coaches to get involved. What they need is mentors, um, teachers, uh, youth development people. So we started really broadening our range of who we who we wanted in our program. So that was what helped build the relationships with the girls and, and, and the families. I used – the best thing when I started this organization is when I was at Ski Club, you'd get a lot of emails from parents asking about – you know, wax the next day or, and they're, they're harmless, good questions, but you can get kind of tied up in the amount of correspondence you're having about smaller things when you're just trying to work with their kid and be in the gym with their kid or that kind of stuff. So when I got to Cycle Effect and basically at the beginning, all of our girls, almost all of our girls are Hispanic. Well, there's obviously a language barrier there. So I was getting no parent communication whatsoever. And I was thinking, so I get to coach and not have to have a lot of parent communication. This is one of the greatest things. 
in the world. Like this is, this is amazing. You know, I get to do exactly what I love and not without, you know, the quote unquote hassle that some coaches have felt, um, your parents, but it wasn't until we really started to embrace the parents and embrace the culture and started teaching the parents what the value was for their kids. And it wasn't the biking. It was the, how are we going to help your daughters continue on a great path for life? That's when we started to get a lot more buy-in. Cool. So yeah, it, it, there are a lot of programs out there that'll work with 10, 15, 20,000 kids. We aren't probably going to be that model instead of, you know, 10 to 20 days a year we're, we offer our girls like 80 days of programming a year. So we were around them 10 months a year. And I think that's how we've kind of done what you're talking about. And so as the community, instead of the 10 girls you originally got that came from the youth foundation, the community is now driving, Hey, this was a great program for my daughter. You need to get your daughter involved. Uh, with the, yes. Yeah, so we, we go in and kind of talk to parents or sorry, we go in and talk to teachers. Um, when we're recruiting girls, we say, Hey teachers, this is the kind of core, um, group of girls we're looking for. You know, if they need help financially to do this sport, we'd love to help them. Um, we love to get minorities involved because there's just so few minorities involved in the sport. We feel like that's a, a passion of ours. So we'll work with the school districts now where in the past I was kind of nervous to create a partnership with them for some reason. But now we've got a great partnership with the school district and they'll start kind of recommending girls come to meetings so they learn more about it. Um, a ton of little sisters and little cousins are now showing up. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to a three-year-old on the sidelines and just say, you know, kind of sit down next to her and say, you know, do you, do you want to do what your sister does? And they're just huge smiles. Like, absolutely. This is what I want to do when I get older. Whereas like with Arita and Coco, we were kind of not battling, but it was kind of competitive between like which program they were going to go to, which nonprofit, cause there's so many, are they going to go be a part of? Now we know there's like a core group coming up that says cycle effect will be our first priority. And then we have other nonprofits. We're going to, cause they're all great. There's nothing against any other ones. Just the, the kids only have so much time. And so they, they um, on one hand, they need help doing certain things, but there's a lot of opportunity for them in this valley to take advantage of if they want. So we've had this, and I wanted to start our first two podcasts built on, like the first one was, you know, we have these, we have these athletes. And, yeah, that was, don't worry, now don't, we all need to take a short break. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So we have this idea of, I wanted the second podcast to be something that's bigger than just, you know, kind of be focused on something that's bigger than just our gym. The first one I wanted to actually, you know, get an idea of these are women that have been involved with the gym. How does it affect their personal lives? How does it affect, you know, their job? How has it made them better athletes? But then I wanted to actually have this conversation about what's it who are the people that are coming to our gym what are they involved in and i thought cycle effect would be a perfect one because we can get so insulary at certain times and we can think about ourselves and it's a very wealthy valley and there are i love that every single spring um we will try as much as possible to do as much as we can for the you know and in reality we're not going to be able to raise a ton of money but i hope that our gym can give more exposure to the cycle effect because I think it's, I think it's pretty incredible on multiple levels. Uh, I love the aspect that it 
exposes a group of women that would probably never be a part of a cycling culture and they get to step into a cycling culture because there are so many financial barriers that might be applied to them. And so many of our, so many of our people that come to our gym love cycling. So it's like a perfect connection to the people that come to our gym. And so, you know, this spring we'll do another fundraiser. We'll do a suffer fest again, 20 minutes on that bike erg, which will be great. You know, shirts off, Barry. That was miserable. Miserable. (laughs) Absolutely miserable. You know, and we'll do that again. But I, you know, I wanted to step outside, like what, you know, these, how these women are being affected. And then let's look at some other things that are outside of our gym. Next week, we're going to talk about, you know, kind of how we developed and how we even began. But I also want. Are we hosting that together, Barry? Maybe. Is it it you and me? I hope so. Cool. We'll talk about that later, but <laughs> you know, the, it, the, one, one thing I'd like the, to say about this is right like, here. I get told a lot of times, you know, Brett, I love to support you. I wish I could do more or I'm sorry. It was only this much or something like that. Like, and it's, it's amazing how often we get told that as an organization. And I think that people out there should know just because we have a, a, uh, people in the Valley that could give six figure donations or something like that doesn't mean that in any way we expect that doesn't mean in any way that we don't appreciate a simple kind word about what we're doing or a fundraiser on a bike with you guys. Um, cheer for the girls show up and just clap. Like it's literally, and so we, when we meet with people about potential fundraisers or funding, we basically say, um, all we want to do is tell our story yeah. because we have no idea who that person is going to be in the room. And it might be some, it might be a room full of people that just say, that's a great story. I have five other nonprofits I give to every single year. You're not one of them. <laughs> right. And that's fine. Like we don't, we don't in the bat in the past when I wasn't sure if we were going to close next week or something like that, I'd have this nervous energy of, Oh, this has got to be like the big one. Or, you know, I mean, I think any bit startup gets to that point. Um, and luckily we're in a secure enough space now and realize that we're not just randomly asking people for money because we think we've got a good idea. Like we actually have data that shows we have success, we're sustainable, that kind of stuff. So, um, we just love telling our story. And so I feel like to anybody out there that's giving what they consider quote unquote, a smaller donation or whatever, we, we, and every other nonprofit in the Valley loves them. So don't worry about that piece of it. We just love that you're supporting people around here. So I want to transition, you know, kind of Barry, from Barry had his hand up. Yeah, I want the data. I want to know. Like, yeah, give me, what give me is some, the data. Give me the cold hard facts. Like, who are we sending to college? How's it working? So we have, um, and we consider a girl that's been in our program for three years a program graduate. So like, we can't control if girls move out of the valley. We can't control if they. Uh, essentially that if they move out of the valley and there are some girls that try it for a year or two and they decide this is not the sport for me. I've got three other things I'm doing that kind of stuff. So, um, out of those girls, a hundred percent of our girls have gone to college and 75% of those would be first in their families to go. 100%. 
of our program graduates. Again, those girls have been in the program for three years. So if they, um, again, if they try it for two weeks and they hate it, like at least they got that opportunity and they're out of here. So we don't really count those girls, but of our graduates, they will come back and say that we are by far one of the most influential things in their life to get them there. And I think that that's because we start talking to fifth and sixth graders about college where they may not have gotten that access to those conversations elsewhere. So that's one of them. Um, you know, we'll work with 125 girls this year, 175 next year. We will, um, you know, we have girls that repeatedly tell us that uh, we're one of the most influential people in their lives in terms of our coaches and mentors. Um, we have, you know, girls that are getting accepted to Ivy League schools. I don't think they're going to go because most of them are in really cold areas in the Northeast and who want, <laughs> these girls don't want to go there. And I think that's also one important thing, you know, as, as we talk about what we've learned as an organization is like, just because we have this expectation because where I came from doesn't mean it's their expectation. You know, there, some, some of us wanted to get as far away from our families as possible to go to college. This isn't the culture of girls we have. They want to be close to their families. They want to be where it's relatively warm. Um, and, and, you know, what we're trying to really instill in, in them is you don't want to have college debt for 10 years. So if you can go locally or somewhere where you're not going to have 20 years of college debt, it's probably a better lifestyle for you than going someplace that's maybe a little more glamorous, but you're going to be in debt forever. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Who but came up with that idea? College yeah. debt? Yeah, college debt. Jeez. I... Well, we get told a lot about what we should do as an organization and where we should be sending our girls and what our goal should be. I was like, we don't control these girls like in any way, shape or form. We are here to simply support them. So some of our so many of our girls completely thrive at CMC because they get to hang out with their families. They get to be around their families. And that is the most important thing to some of these girls. And that's what's interesting is because we have an expectation of what it looks like to be successful or to be in a certain college situation. And then instead, that's a huge success for them. Well, and and I've been told so many times like, oh, it's great for what you're doing to raise up this community. I'm like, I'm pretty sure a lot of our community should be meeting them in the middle because their family lives are some of the most loving, caring, supportive groups we could ever imagine. And these people love being around people. They love to work hard. They love to do this kind of stuff. And so I don't think of it in any way as raising up a community in any way, shape or form. I, I think that's bullshit. Excuse <laughs> yeah. my language. They but just I, I don't just, have, well, just because they don't have the money doesn't mean that they don't right. have. Exactly. And some of them do have the money. They spend it other places. You know, they, they have other priorities. So um, it's I'm kind of becoming more and more of an advocate of just because a married, white, straight male thinks it's the right place for them to go. It's not the case. Um, so it's nice that they're getting into um, these schools. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm pretty much under the impression I know everything. Yes. <laughs> so does most other people that I just mentioned in that category around our country. So um, we're trying to really do a better job of meeting them where they're at, yeah. deciding what makes the most, most sense for them, and then letting them go live their life. Yeah. They're not going to make, if they get into college and they're going, they're not going to make a bad choice. Yeah. If they don't go to college, you know, if they decide, I don't know, the army is for them or something else, that's a great choice too. We simply just want them to get out of high school and do something, have a next step. Well, Bob, I, I love 
listening to that podcast, but mainly um, it's actually very fulfilling. It's very fruitful giving because we have these intentions about, hey, I'm going to start a nonprofit or I have an intention that I'm going to start a gym because I want to affect people's lives. It's not about the reps and sets. It's about the people. And in reality, you're like, ooh, I'm going to help these girls, you know, become better people. And Brett's saying it's actually not like that. We're giving them opportunities to grow and develop. And by that, Brett was actually changed in the midst of it. Yeah, it's cool to see that kind of overhaul of Brett's original idea. (laughs) Yeah, which we cut out a lot of that at the beginning. Yeah, But, I mean, it was so funny listening to him talk about why they started and how they started and how these girls actually completely changed their lives. Yeah, Um, so if you come to the Cycle Effect event... Pull bread aside yeah. if you really want to find out more about how it started. <laughs> yeah. um, otherwise, maybe we'll throw that into a terrible podcast should, down yeah, the road. We should do like a um, Biff project or like a... Yeah, we got plenty of that. Yeah. So um, we'll see you guys April 18th, Thursday. Sign up. Get a team together. It doesn't matter how fast you are on a bike. It's a stationary bike. It's inside, but it's still fun. In reality, it's for a good cause, and that's a great way to kind of connect with people. In reality, that's what we're trying to do is to connect with people. Um, that's what Brett's trying to do, and so that's why this has been such a good partnership. All right. See you next time. All right.